My name is Erica Connor, and you are listening to the Let's Be Real podcast. Everybody. So welcome back to the Let's Be Real podcast. We are doing another week talking about hope. We started out last week kind of talking about, for lack of a better term, right? The process, the experience, the aspect of hope that we feel that we walk through in trial, what it looks like when it grows, how that hope kind of affects us here in the now. We talked about how hope is our future faith, how it's this confident expectation and how it grows after trials, how we look back to see God's faithfulness in the things that he has done, and we use that to look forward, resting in that hope of him doing it again, and that we become stronger in hope as we wait. So that explanation alone, it makes kind of a lot of sense, but it also makes it sound like hope is based on previous experience. That is definitely part of it, but it's not an entirely adequate explanation. So we're going to get a little bit more into the knowing rather than the experiencing and the feeling. So we talked about what it may feel like and what it looks like in our lives, how we picture it. But now we're going to talk about just the hope that we can know about. It is the deliverer himself who is the source, the cause, the foundation of our hope, not our circumstances. That's a quote out of an article from the Gospel Coalition that I really liked, which is kind of a great lead-in, that what has happened in the past in our circumstances isn't the source of our hope. It's what it looks like. It's how we might feel it and experience it now, but it is the deliverer himself. It is God. It is Jesus. It is the Trinity. They're the deliverer They're the source and the cause and the foundation of our hope. So looking back on what we talked about last week, it gives us really great visual of hope, right? It's how we understand and how we experience hope. I've always said that I'm a a visual learner. Well, I am learning now that we are all visual learners. That's how it kind kind of works. I read this article called The Power of Hope and Prepping for the retreat, and while I don't agree with everything in it, he goes through this discussion on imagination. And it's not really a word that we use in everyday conversation, maybe. As adults, we might tell our kids, oh, go outside and play. Just use your imagination. And he talks about it more along the fact that, no, an imagination, this is where we think. This is where we process. It is the way we use our minds because we think in pictures, So think about that for a second. When you're reading a book, you're picturing it going on, right? If somebody's telling you about an apple, you're picturing an apple. And then the more and more details they give you, it clarifies your picture. They're like, it's a red apple or it's a green apple. Oh, it still has the leaves attached with a little bit of stem and it's so juicy, it's drippy. Like all of those descriptors make our pictures a bit more clear. So what's interesting about that is that this concept about picturing things to help better understand them. It's one of the things that can make hope a little bit different at first glance, only because Romans 8 tells us that hope is unseen. So for in this hope, 
This is verses 24 to 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. And we're always trying to see and picture things, right? To better understand it, our imaginations, you could call it our mind's eye. That's where we remember. That's where we learn. It's actually where we pray and how we meditate on God's word throughout the day. It's in this imagination. It's in this mind's eye. It's where we shift and we keep our focus and our perspective throughout the day. And for me, often, it's also the part of me that I need to be continually renewing. Come on, can I get an amen? Like we know scripture tells us to renew your minds for a reason, because this is where we are picturing. It's where we're thinking it's And if we're women, let's be honest, it's where we spend a lot of our time (laughs) up in our head, thinking it all through. Isaiah 26, 3 says that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on you because he trusts you. I mean, there's so much to this power of our mind, of our imagination. We hear all throughout scripture that God judges the heart. You know, we can even call that the inside state of mind, the heart what we're thinking, what we're feeling. As I thought through this in another study that I'm doing, I'm in Genesis, and it really made this one verse in particular stand out quite a bit more. It's Genesis 6, 5. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in all the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was really eye-opening. I was like, only evil continually. Well, I guess that explains why he did what he did. But it's because that he knew that every intention of the thoughts of his heart. So when we hear heart, think thoughts, think mind, think imagination, think these visuals, the only things they were thinking and visualizing and had in their head was evil continually. You guys, we need to keep in mind and remind ourselves and just know that God deals with people on the thoughts of our hearts, on our imaginations, and we need to try and keep them in good places. And that is way easier said than done, right? It can be really hard sometimes, especially when we're kind of living life, attempting to control it for ourselves We plan out every circumstance and eventuality. We, like, think through those ahead of time. Like, I'm going to have to have this difficult conversation, and you, like, play it out in your head. Well, I'm going to say this, and then they're going to say that, and I'm going to say this. And let me tell you, it actually never has happened for me that way. It's never worked out the way I've imagined it. They've always had their own unique answer, not the one that I put in their mouth. We play out all of the possible scenarios in advance Okay, if that happens, then I could handle it this way. And if that happens, I could handle it this way. Our minds sometimes go rogue with all sorts of things that possibly could happen. This is where a lot of fear and worry come in, at least for me, right? Like, let my mind, my brain, my imagination go off one deep end, and then all of a sudden I'm all worked up and worried about it. It was like, whoa, 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 what just happened here? Bring it back, Erica. Like, You just let that thing go, and it totally disrupted you and disturbed you and put you in a bad place. Sometimes we hear people say things to us, and we're like, oh, what did they actually mean by that? And then you go, and you kind of make up what you believe or think they were actually saying, when maybe they were actually just saying what they were saying. 
So we could go on and on and on. Our thoughts, our imagination, whatever you want to call it, it can be manipulated and it can be distorted. We talked about this last week, John 10, 10, the thief prowls around, right? Wanting to devour, destroy. That's our perspective. He wants that distorted. Our imagination, our thoughts of our heart, our brain, how we visualize, he wants that distorted too. You guys, our imaginations, it's like soil. So what seed do you plant in your soil? Take that visual of a healthy soil. What are you planting in your mind's eye, in your imagination? What we need to be planting, what needs to be there is we need to let God's word dominate us and our thinking. Just completely take over our thoughts and our mind's eye and our pictures. Because when what God has told us in his word, when that becomes the vision that's inside of us, when that's what we see, rather than us and our feeble attempt to control things, when that's when we, what we see and how we process and what we picture, that becomes the vision inside of you. That becomes this hope, this place of hope where we can now wait patiently until it comes. So I just want to add to our picture and understanding of hope. We talked last week about the growth of hope, what that looks like here on earth, but let's add to that picture. Let's keep making it bigger, more clear, with more detail. When I was preparing for this topic on hope, I wasn't quite sure if there would be enough information for a whole weekend of a retreat on hope Um, And while there is a ton of information on hope and just diving deep into it, it was a surprisingly scarce topic in biblical studies. You know, we hear faith, hope, and love, and we talk a lot about faith. We talk a lot about love. There was not a whole lot completely focused on hope. And then when you do find a lot of study on hope, it's almost completely rooted in eschatology, in end times, which that's a huge study of topic, and that is all rooted in hope. That is a huge part of hope. I'm not, I'm not going that direction with our hope talk, probably not even next week in the podcast. Just know that that is such a huge part, this eternal hope of spending eternity there. And there's so much you could study on eschatology of when is that coming? What does it look like? Like all that stuff. That's not what we're really talking about here. I want to talk about the aspect of hope that is God. That he is the source and the ground and the foundation of hope. In the Old Testament, we see God. He is the basis of hope because of his known character, his past deeds of salvation, and then his covenant with Israel. He has made this promise, and they have hope in him, and faith in him, and trust, all of those things wrapped into one because of his character and who he is. He has this covenant with them, right? This promise. He made a promise to the Israelites, and that promise is their hope. It is the grounds for their hope, but it is rooted in God because of God's character of this promise. It's also rooted in his nature and his attributes, We see his steadfast love in this covenant, this covenant love. 
That steadfastness is the setup. It's this solid ground of hope. Lamentations 3, 21 to 24. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. I mean, that's verse 21. I mean, that just jumps right into what we're talking about a little bit. Like, I'm going to call this to mind. I'm going to remember this. I'm going to bring this into my imagination. I'm going to meditate and think and picture on this. He says, and therefore I have hope. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. You guys, this is based on this passage talks about all about these attributes and these characteristics of the Lord. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. They never come to an end. His faithfulness is great. They were focused indeed on his attributes, on his nature, on the character of who God is, that he is the source of hope in his character and the character of God. Psalm 130, we see it again. With the Lord, there is forgiveness, steadfast love, and plenteous redemption. Can someone say plenteous redemption? All right, that phrase, gotta love that phrase. I'm like, plenteous. I don't think I had noticed it before or heard it before, and it might just be in the ESV. But I love that. In Psalm 65, we see the author say that he is the hope of all the ends of the earth. He's even the hope, him as creator is the hope of the earth. There are so many rock metaphors about his reliability, about his consistent character. He is the hope from God who is alone, his rock, salvation, and fortress. Again, in Psalm 62, in Psalm 71, we see an old man who has leaned on the Lord. He declares, thou, O Lord, you art my hope. The person, the God, the character and the attributes of God and his faithfulness to his covenant promise. Their hope was grounded and anchored in him. And because of that, they were confident of it because of who he was. So I love studying the characteristics of God. So last December, I did an Advent Sunday Advent study with my small group, and it was on the characteristics of God, and it was a characteristic every single day of him through Advent. And you know, that was so needed, and I can't wait to either do the exact same one again or find a new one for this winter. And you know what? I might just ask you guys to come along and do that with me when we head into Advent. Oh, that's a good idea. We're definitely going to do that. But what it is, what it was for me, I should say, was just a way to regroup and refocus and to think about God and who he is. And what I needed at that time was to take this focus off of what do I get out of him? What has he done for me? What are all the things I can have because of him? Those are all good things. Those are all true. Those are in scripture. He tells us of all the things that we can have, his love, his mercy, his joy, his peace, like all of these things that we receive in a right relationship with the Lord. But for me, studying the characteristics of God, 
made me fall more in love with him and all over again, not because of the things that I get out of it, but because of who he is. And that's what we see the hope in scripture and what it's grounded in and rooted in is his characteristics, his attribute, who he is, not just the stuff that we get out of it. This is how we paint this picture bigger and fuller and clearer. And I love studying the characteristics of God. We see all of this echoed in the New Testament. We see in Romans 15, Paul actually quoting the Old Testament, showing now how the Gentiles are going to be partakers in this hope. And then as he prays over the Gentiles, he's like, may the God of hope. He is hope. We say God is good. He is goodness. That's the definition of goodness. I don't know if you've heard that talk before. Same thing here. God is hope. He is the source in the ground. He is the author. He gives it, and he himself is hope. 1 Timothy 6.17, we see Timothy charging believers not to set their hope on the things of uncertainty or the things of this world like riches. Not in other things, not in the things that we have, or the things that are temporary, but on God. This echoes kind of those Old Testament proverbs of sandy shores versus like a solid rock foundation. We see again in 1 Timothy 4.10 that we have our hope set on the living God. Because Jesus has come, because he died, because he rose, we now have a living hope continually expanding on our vision and what this looks like to have this hope. The word of hope in the New Testament is elpis in Greek. And it is a person. It is that of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we see kahal and kaval, I think. I can't say them right. If you haven't watched the Bible Project video on the word hope, you totally should. It's great. Those are all particularly mean to wait, that they're waiting. Hope is waiting and trusting in those promises. And then when we move into the New Testament, we get to see this hope further explained and clarified in the personhood of God, our living hope. 1 John 3, 3, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as pure. As we focus on God, as we understand that he is our hope, that his characteristics, his attribute is hope. This is that assurance of conformity to be like Christ that we're kind of seeing in John 3, 3, right? He purifies himself as pure. It's sanctification, resting in hope, understanding that he, his hope, brings us to be more and more like him. We even see Paul in a few instances in Acts where he's like on trial in front of courts and he is professing that he lives on the hope that is in God. His hope that is in the promises of God. Not as, like he's not hoping in that he's getting out of jail. He's not making a case for himself and his circumstances. He's saying, no, my hope is in the promises of God and who he is. That is a whole nother topic of hope that we'll try to wrap up real quick at the end of this episode. It's on the promises of God. So as we kind of close up this relatively simple, not in-depth picture of God being hope, I want us to close reading out of Hebrews 6, verses 13 to 20. 
When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham had received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. But because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on his behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. There's some cool things here. But what I want you to kind of pull out of this passage is a visual that I want to leave you with. In the ESV, it says that God wanted to show more convincingly that this oath, this promise, right, is legit. Like, this is real. It's the real deal. He wanted to show more convincingly. So almost picture in your mind's eye, right? That he wanted to show by using and explaining and showing the unchangeable character of his purpose and that it is impossible for God to lie. So he wants to make it more convincing to us, and he's going to use his character, that it is unchanging in his purpose and that he cannot lie. Your hope, then, everyone, he's like, hello, I'm going to make this a little bit more convincing. I can't lie, so you got to trust me. And my purpose doesn't change. And he sets this hope before them, before us, Jesus, that goes into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. But in verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, this hope that is Jesus, that is an unchanging God who cannot lie. That hope is our anchor Picture an anchor on a boat. What is it doing? It's holding you steady and it's holding you firm. It's keeping your boat where it needs to be in the good times and in the bad. It is what you need to throw down to stay put. So at the women's retreat where we were talking about hope, I had made coloring sheets. You guys, I learned how to make my own coloring sheets and I am hooked. I love it. It is my kind of scrapbooking. (laughs) It's digital. There's no mess. I don't even have to pick colors because it's all black and white. Somebody else can do that like low stress, but fun. Like I am hooked. That may or may not be what a lot of people in my life are getting for Christmas this year is personalized homemade coloring books. (laughs) I love it. But I made a coloring sheet for each one of these talks, and the one for this talk was a large anchor. And above that anchor was a banner that says, I am not my anchor. Because I really wanted to help with this visual. (laughs) Maybe I'll put it online. Maybe you can download it and color it for yourself as a reminder. Like, we need to go through life remembering, in our mind's eye, we are not our own anchors. We are not our hope. We can't fix everything. Don't rest in the stuff that you can see and that you can manipulate and that you can control and just feel good because you have this set up or that set up or this set up. We are called to be prudent and to be stewards of this life. There are actions we are to take to be wise. Absolutely. 
But we're only able to do that because of the hope that we have. Because everything that we have comes from the Lord anyway. So we need to not just rest in that. That doesn't dictate our peace. That doesn't dictate our joy. All of the things that we have prepped for us. Because there are a lot of people that live in circumstances far worse than any of us listening to this podcast. The fact that we can listen to a podcast is kind of case in point. Many, many people can't even do that around this world. And they can still have hope and joy in the midst of sorrows, lack, struggles, fear. And for many of us, we're listening to this on a smartphone, maybe driving a car or playing it through a speaker at home, and we have a hard time sometimes keeping our hope where it is, that the anchor is God and that it is not us. So that's the visual I really want to leave you today is that God is hope. That is his character. That is who he is. And that's our foundation for it. That is where we stand. That is the anchor that holds us in place and where we go to keep our mind's eye back to where it needs to be. We are not our own anchor. And we try to be. So this week as you move forward, what I'd love for you to be thinking about are what are some of the promises of God that you have really held on to through life? What are scripture? What are some of the promises? There are charts galore. There are lists everywhere of biblical promises of God. Look it up this week. We, we were able at the retreat to have the opportunity to sit and have a whole session just talking, dialoguing, sharing the promises of God that ladies had clung to through their life, that had proven true, and that helped them in moving forward because their hope has grown because of depending on the promises of God. My last and final coloring sheet that I had made was for Sunday where we had this discussion at the retreat. Faith is putting trust in God's word, and hope is putting trust in the promises of God. It was a quote that I got from a sermon from John Piper on hope, and it just really kind of spoke to me, this faith that we have. We trust in the whole entirety of the word of God and the gospel and the story, and we understand it all, and we are so grateful that we come to the Lord through this redeeming grace, this plenteous redemption, where we are able to stand in a right standing with God. And in the midst of that, our hope is that we trust in all of those promises within So what promise do you lean on? Do you need to jump into scripture and look for more? Because our hope is not only just something that grows as we experience it through life. Hope is the person, the character, the nature, and the attributes of God and of Jesus, our living hope. It's in our trust in his promises and his word. There are so many more ways that we could talk about hope. Like, there are a lot of topics. could probably go on and on and on. But this is what I want to leave you with and just kind of things to meditate on, to visualize, to have in our, in our brain as we remember, as we learn, and as we think. We are not our anchor. And we hope by trusting in the promises of God because they are based and rooted in who he is. And for that, we will be 
eternally grateful. 